welcome back to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my boyfriend to watch musicals he should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. Hello, I am the boyfriend. Yes, indeed. And I'm Drew. And welcome back to It's a Musical Podcast. Yeah. What are we talking about this week? We're off to see a burlesque. We are indeed off to see a burlesque. We're going to see a burlesque. Are you excited? This is kind of like our second foray into the world of burlesque. In that we watched Chicago? In that we watched Gypsy. Okay, sure. I thought you were thinking about Chicago, but okay. Well, Chicago, I don't really think features much in the way of burlesque, I think. There's the song where Catherine Zeta-Jones is like, You Need Me. Yeah. Let's be a team. Mm -hmm. And Renee Zellweger is like too busy signing her fan mail. Yeah. And that kind of comes across Mm burlesque-y. But Gypsy is far more burlesque, I'd say, like in the second half. Do you know what the difference between burlesque and stripping is? Burlesque is more tasteful. Yeah, it's considered the artsy version. Well, yeah, because you've got like Dieter Von Tees. Yeah. And... There's a lot of burlesque where it's not completely nude, which obviously Gypsy popularised, mm-hmm. and it's more kind of hidden and leaving it more to the imagination. Artistic, yeah. Exactly. So I guess stripping is kind of more like what we saw in Rent, mm-hmm. where, you know, it's still self-expression and artistic in the way that for Rent they're all like, artists but they express themselves in different ways but i would say burlesque is more highbrow entertainment yes sure i mean compared well, to stripping. like within the realms of yes so burlesque we're watching the version that is came out in 2010 yes directed by stephen antin and produced by donald deline with christoph beck doing the music that's cool yeah what do you know him from um, I know what you know him from. He wrote the underscore for Frozen. Yes. And yeah, also... because you see like all the instrumental stuff, like Beck, mm-hmm. Buffy He's... the Vampire Slayer. Which Buffy? The musical episode? No, or just generally. Just the the music for the better seasons of yeah. Buffy. What are you there counting were... as the better seasons? Are we gonna have a fight here on air? No, we're not. No, for the like critically considered better seasons. So what, he would he do season three and then disappear for season four and come back for season five. And well, then... yeah, they would just have him for like random seasons, essentially. Yeah, I could see that. He's he is a name that I have heard within the realm of music. I'm not necessarily that sure of his profile within musical theatre. 2001, Buffy. Okay, so season seven. Mm-hmm. Like one of the last seasons. Yeah. Oh, Ant-Man. And yeah, I knew him from Ant-Man. Muppets Most Wanted. Yep. Frozen Fever. Trolls. Edge of Tomorrow. That's a great film. He Pitch does all of, them, all of the Frozens, basically. Yeah. No, he's he is somebody I am familiar with. Yes. I mean, we, c- we could just list things he's done. He did do Once More with Feeling. He did do Once More with Feeling. Cool. Mm-hmm. No, looking at his CV, there's a lot of things I do recognise him from. Yeah. Do you know who is in this film? As I mentioned at the very end of our last episode covering Freaky Friday, if you mm-hmm. haven't listened to it, to go back and check it out in the archives. Mm-hmm. 
it is Cher, yes. Christine Aguilera, mm-hmm. and you told me Kristen Bell was in it. Yes. Do you know anybody else that might be in this? No, I remember those were the three, well, the two big names were Cher and Christine Aguilera. Mm-hmm. I don't remember anything else. Okay, Stanley Tucci. Oh, cool. I like Stanley Tucci. Yeah, Alan Cumming. <gasps> Yay, Rooster's back. Um, Diana Agron. From Glee? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I know. I think that's That's cool. very cool. I, I do remember seeing this getting promoted. Yes. I'm, I remember reading Empire. I was studying a film degree at mm-hmm. the time that this came out. And I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before that I would get like a subscription to Empire. And I would read each month different features. Yeah. This is kind of middle of my final year it came out I'd, I'd have been in my final year mm-hmm. so I remember reading about it and seeing it promoted yeah and it's a big deal because I think this is one of Christine Aguilera's first film roles this as an is actress her first film yeah role. so it was a big deal mm-hmm. I remember that it got panned critically at the end like on release <laughs> yeah of course but like is it a remake of else? something else like has there been an old version of Belesque no. So it was the first film version. Yeah, and the the screenplay was written by Stephen Anton. Yeah. Who was an actor and then moved into directing. Was it a show on Broadway, the West End first, or it was a movie musical? Yeah. And has it ever been adapted? Not so far as I'm aware. I guess it's not done well enough to. Not really. Is it kind of like Magic Mike, but told through female gaze? Have you seen Magic Mike? Magic Mike is like the American for Monty with male strippers, but like they're older and at the end of their careers. I've not seen Magic Mike, no. Is the at some point we're going to watch Magic Mike. It's not Magic a musical. Mike is terrible. It's got a wrestler in. Sure. It's the only reason I ever it wanted to watch it. It also has Blaine's older brother from Glee. I mean, you say that like he's a name. He was a one-off oh, He's like a Broadway name. Yeah. Yeah, so Magic Mike is, we want to make a movie about male strippers and we're going to put them all on stage and just have them dance. Here's Channing Tatum, isn't he sexy? Yes. And And, Matthew McConaughey. Thank you very much. And amongst other people, other actors are available. And sexy. And um, then they were like, oh, here's some plot. (laughs) Whereas this, they tried to write a plot around, like, that fit, like about this burlesque and like introducing like lots of characters and character conflicts and like trying to work it all together and it just became like a bit of a mess but i like it okay the reason that it got panned is that people were like we have seen elements of this story in other musicals for years and they've taken like lots of different elements and put them all into the one so this is almost like theater tropes the movie yeah Basically. That's not a bad but, thing. Like, I'm not saying that to be like... Personally, I think it's in a good way. Cher herself has called this a popcorn movie, meaning that... It's just Enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. Which is good. I mean, I'd say a lot of the films we've covered here mm-hmm. have been I can sit back and just write my notes carelessly. Yeah. I think the few exceptions have been things like Hamilton, where I'm kind of trying to break down the, the plot, where... Um, when we watched the last five years, I basically wrote a dissertation on 
you know, why would you ever admit to this being even semi-autobiographical? Yeah. As great as it is, and, you know, Hype Train, we're seeing it in a few weeks. I'm so excited. Mm. I love that musical. It's questionable in terms of its, like, intentions, but, like, whatever. Yeah. I would enjoy the heck out of that media. Mm-hmm. But it's very, you know, rare we've watched something where I have to really think. You know what I mean? You're not going to have to think too hard oh, about yeah, this Oh, yeah, no, one. I mean, I, very few of them I really have to think. Yeah. So it's, it's a good kind of follow-up. You've got me out of, like, habit with Freaky Friday to just, like, sit and kind of just, like, huh, my brain is melting a little bit. Yeah. That's, That's what we're going for. That's just melt. So this was distributed by Screen Gems. Yes. Who made the Resident Evil series. I love the Resident Evil series. I haven't seen them. We need to watch all six of them because they are just trash like, they are popcorn movies. I have seen so many of them. I think I saw all but the Excellent. first two at the cinema. Yeah. And they're just trash, but they're, they're p- perfect trash. Mm. Well, after the Resident Evil movies, this is the most expensive film they ever made. Yeah. And it was $55 million. And I would say $45 million of that was shares. Probably, yes. One of the things I'm very aware of is that there was a lot of bickering behind the scenes between Cher and Christina Aguilera. See, now... I did some research into this. Yes. Because I think a lot it was... of people were like, they're rivalry, they hate each other. So I think that was done because that's kind of the plot of the film and they were building interest in it. Yeah. And then when the film didn't necessarily show this rivalry as much as they were expecting, the critical reception went down. That's what I remember for like the, the burlesque narrative. Like when it came out, people were like, oh, well... Considering the rumours of conflict backstage, you'd expect it to translate more on screen, and it doesn't. Yeah. So when they met, Christina Aguilera had been sort of really nervous about meeting her. And also the day they met, Christina Aguilera had her baby on her hip. Yeah. And was, like, not ready to meet Cher. Wasn't told that she was going to be meeting Cher, so she's dressed in, like, sweats. Big deal as well. Like, if you are a young singer like mm-hmm. Christina Aguilera at this point in time. Yeah, and also this is Cher's first movie musical. Mm. And at the time she was rehearsing to go on tour in Vegas. Yes. So like this is a big deal for Christina Aguilera to meet her. And her manager had been like hyping her up to Cher. Oh no. And being like, she loves you. She's so excited to meet with you. You're going to love her. It's all going to be great. So when Christina Aguilera actually met Cher... She walked up to her and she said, Hi Cher, I'm Christina. I'm the one who wants to drink your bath water. Because there'd been a joke about like that. And Cher apparently had just had a massive laugh, picked her baby up and then just gave them both a huge hug. Okay, and so it's quite just, nice. Yeah, apparently they were great. So it probably is the sort of thing, almost like Vin Diesel and The Rock when they promoted the last Fast and the Furious that it was like, oh, there's always beef backstage yeah. to build hype. And it's potentially a work that they're just trying to build hype because mm-hmm. you've got two divas and I mean in the nicest way yeah in Christina Aguilera and Cher mm-hmm. and let's promote the bickering between them and actually can be further from the truth yeah so Christina Aguilera actually wrote three of the songs cool are they all original songs then for it no it's a burlesque so is it jukebox it's a semi jukebox oh cool whose music is jukebox is it like a range of popular songs. It's it's a wide range. So we've got some Etta James, Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. Of, of course. course. Because 
that's always going to be in this. I mean, let's be honest, Moulin Rouge also has kind of popularised the idea of burlesque. Mm-hmm. And if you are going to do a burlesque show nowadays for a film, you have to use that song. Yeah. So we've got some Etta James, Christina Aguilera, we've got some Cher. Her original songs? Do yeah. you believe in life after love? No, not her like, first songs, not original songs. Oh, so she's written songs for this as opposed to we've gone through her back catalogue. Yes. Cool. Two. So her first original recordings in seven years at this point. Nice. Yeah. You've got things like that. So it's like really nice sort of throwback songs, I think, that all work really well in the setting of burlesque. Is this set then back in like... The 40s, 30s kind of time. Is it like an old-fashioned setting? No. That is a really good question. Because I could not tell you when this is set. It's modern day. Okay. But it's got to be between the 90s and like 2010. Okay, that's cool. I'm trying to think whether or not she has a cell phone. (laughs) Is how I'm trying to judge it. No, that's cool. That's interesting. Because I thought for sure... This would have been about, like, maybe the dawn of burlesque. Because I always get a sense of the idea is you've got Cher and Christina Aguilera had top billing. Mm-hmm. And you've obviously got Cher is older, Christina Aguilera is new and younger. And it's shiny new toys. Mm-hmm. And the plot is kind of, kind of similar to Chicago in that Cher realises she's no longer the favourite and starts to get jealous of what was her protégé and hijinks ensue. Yeah. But I'd have assumed that might have been more old time values with like, you know, this star who's done the vaudeville circuit has moved on to uh, burlesque and now is facing a forced retirement. Like, what will they do now? So that or like shares the manager Mm -hmm. and again, like back some of the girls, but doesn't back all of the girls. Kind of like Madame Giry from Phantom, like that kind of role. Yeah. I know very little about this one. I kind of know more about the gossip backstage. Mm. That's super interesting. The first advert that was ever shown for this was shown during an ad break on Glee. That makes sense. For season two of Glee. Was Ryan Murphy involved at all? No, I don't believe so. As funny as that would have been. Yeah, it's, uh, it did not do well, critically. Yeah. We always talk about this when we watch movie musicals, is that they really don't do well. And I think it's because the people, personally, I think it's because the people that critique them are not the target audience. And also that the people making them generally aren't either, right, I think there's two ways it goes. Either we want to make a film out of this musical because this musical did really well and we think it can make us lots of money. Therefore, they don't care about actually adapting it properly and it does really badly or we love this musical so much we know nothing about filmmaking let me make a movie musical yeah and you've either got like pure passion projects but because they've not worked within the film industry it doesn't translate well and it kind of does the source of disservice yeah and i know you haven't seen the original phantom of the opera like the movie version but um... i've seen the 2004 Movie. You've seen the Jared Butler film? Yes, we talked about it, about how like I barely paid attention to it, like because I was a teenager who thought it was a horror film. Right. Okay. Well, so because that's what it was pitched as. It wasn't pitched as this musical, and it was just like boring. And I was like a teenager with friends, and I should have paid more attention to it. And I really would like to watch it 
as like a we modern. should rewatch it. But like that's what happened to yeah. that film is that that was a passion project that was made with no film industry like knowledge. And I don't get how that could be the case when you've got Joel Schumacher involved, I think, as director, and he's done Batman and Robin. Like, he's been in the film industry for so, years. allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Andrew Lloyd Webber was very heavy about what... Oh, ev- so he basically directed it, and Joel Schumacher got the credit because he was a director, but you basically had Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so you either get these really big passion projects, mm-hmm. but no film experience. Mm-hmm. Or you get studio investment looking at where the money's gone on Broadway yeah. and thought, yes, let's adapt it. And then they don't listen to anyone involved and just do their own thing with it. Mm-hmm. Chicago, I think, very well received because you had a great director who had no experience with film at that point in time, mm-hmm. like directing, but enough experience working within film as a choreographer because Rob Marshall had been doing that. Yeah. And he pitched his idea of these sequences need to happen in Roxy's head. Mm-hmm. He'd thought about the translation of it. Great. And it was successful. It was Oscar bait. It was critically well received. Yeah. Lame is, whether we like it or not, I like it, you don't. But I think Tom Hoop had a clear vision for that, for making it work within that world, for setting it realistic. Mm-hmm. And he made it work. And again, he had film experience. Yeah. But if we look at, I think, other things we've watched, like Rent, where it worked to a point where I think they were too insistent on using the Broadway familiarity, that it was a disservice. Yeah. It's And it's I feel it's going to happen with Dear Evan Hansen. Mm. Because you, you are you are appealing to the people who are fans of the source and overly familiar with it. Yeah, and especially with Dear Evan Hansen, there are, like, mega fans. I know. And, and again, like I said with Rent, if you're a fan growing up of it, seeing that original cast do this, you don't care about their age. Suspension of disbelief is fine. You're just happy to see them. Mm-hmm. But if you're like me, not seeing this license before and seeing it for the first time, wait, and halfway through, you're like, hold on a sec, they're supposed to be early 20s? Mm-hmm. So kind of, you're right, it it goes through different levels. So is this very much a musical by fans of musicals for fans of musicals? Um, kind of. It's more that they just were like, this sounds like a good time. Let's do it. Let's do it, okay. yeah. Do you know what else came out in November of 2010? A lot. Yeah. You would have been a baby, obviously. Well, you would have been 15. <laughs> no, I know, I'm kidding. Twilight breaking. No, Eclipse would have come out that day, so it would have been around Eclipse time. Mm-hmm. So, what else is coming out of the cinemas? Something slightly more important than Twilight. No, I know, there's loads of more important things, and I can't for the life of me remember. I was living at the cinema at this point in time, I saw so much on a weekly basis. Yeah, so Jeffy Hell is part one. Yeah. And also Tangled. Yeah. And then in yeah, like the next couple Deathly of Deathly Hallows Part 2 was, was July of 2011. I'm not <laughs> You're the only person that remembers these dates. Yeah, then a couple of weeks later, Unstoppable came out, and then Voyage of the Dawn Treader came out, and then The Tourist. Like, it was not given a chance at all. You've got However, a lot of big films, yeah. It did end up 
making $90 million worldwide, which is, like, pretty good. I do think that there's very much an element of Mamma Mia was successful. Mm. So let's let's do something that panders to that demographic, I think. Yeah. This is, I would say, I would say Mamma Mia mm. definitely appealed to a, a lot of the older generation. Sure. And I think that's because you've got very strong older People cast. Yeah, if you... You know, and I think when I when it came out, Mamma Mia, a lot of people who told me it was great were like older people, like my friend's parents or grandparents. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the reason why I didn't go see it for the longest time. I was like, probably not for me. Yeah. So I feel like this being two years later is very much, Cher said yes to this job because she probably regrets not doing Mamma Mia. Mm. So... A movie musical, yes, okay, Mamma Mia was great, sign me up. Yeah. And you're looking to do the next Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. This did win a Golden Globe for Best Original Song. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Like, you've got two very talented singers in Cher and Christina Aguilera. So, yeah. of course, it should get some kind of nomination. Mm-hmm. Did it get, was it nominated for an Oscar for Best Original Song? I mean, it wouldn't have won against Tangled, would it? No. When will my dream come true? No, but Cher was nominated for a Razzie <laughs> for Worst Supporting Actress. So she's she's the supporting actress. So does Christina Aguilera have top billing or were they both... They're, they're simultaneous billing, yeah. So they're both supporting as opposed to leading. I guess, technically, they're billed the same. Yeah. Yeah, so but she's... Christina Aguilera is the lead. So, okay, Christina Aguilera's the lead and Cher's supporting artist. Yeah. That's very telling, like... then, that Christina Aguilera didn't get a nomination. Yeah. Because usually the Razzies are all over people like that, who, you know, you should stick to one profession. Because mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what they do, rightly or wrongly. And if Cher's going to get one and Cher is more seasoned and has done a few things more... And like, we all know who Cher is. Exactly. Christina Aguilera, you'd imagine, is probably... A lot worse. I I like them both. I think that like one of my favorite songs mm-hmm. ever is "Fighter." Yeah, I adore that song, and I think Christina Aguilera has always nailed the presence and like coming to promote something with like a character. Yeah, because her albums through that time they all had different vibes, and she presented herself differently. Like. Yeah. I think she's very cool. I think she's a prototype for Lady Gaga, mm. who definitely influenced Lady Gaga when she was looking how she wanted it herself. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to watch this one. Cool. I don't know if I'll like it or not. I have no kind of expectations going in. I feel like it's going to be trash, but like good trash. Yeah, popcorn movie. Would exactly. you like to hear my favourite quote from a critic? Go for it. Is a refreshing throwback to movie musicals that celebrates its stars while indulging in sexy fun. And with that, we are off to watch Burlesque for some sexy fun. See you shortly.
a kiss on the hand may be quite continental, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. A kiss may be grand, but it won't pay the rental on your humble flat, or help you feed your pussy cat. Men grow cold as girls grow old, and we all lose our charms in the end. But square cut or pear shape, these rocks don't lose their shape. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. And we are back. We have been to the burlesque and returned unscathed. Relatively unscathed. Mostly scathed. <laughs> I mean, I certainly have... Do you feel scathed? Scathed. I have scathes <laughs> that I didn't have scathes before. Okay. Mostly from, from a tyre iron. Yeah, specifically from Cher's personal tyre iron. Oh, yeah. Iron. <laughs> tyre <laughs> iron. Why is that not a name of the band? That's like, a really hard thing to say, though. Cher's tyre iron. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird. Cher's tyre iron. I... Yeah, had a good time with this one. I Yay. had. Is uh, it, as Cher would say, a popcorn movie? Yes. I had very low expectations going into this one, mm -hmm. mostly because nobody ever talks about it. Yeah. Which so, I think is an injustice to this movie, particularly. Yeah. So I think it's going to be very interesting to talk about. And yeah, I'm excited to, to share. Boo. My views. Boo. <laughs> Come on. You're fired. Come on. Like, do you really expect me to miss that golden opportunity? <laughs> so, it starts. Christina Aguilera is a small town girl. Yes, indeed. Living in a lonely world. Yep. She did not look like Christina Aguilera. Like, no. when she was just kind of plain alley. No, she really doesn't, does she? And I think that's the point, obviously. No, and I think that's really, really awesome that at no point am I feeling like I am watching Christina Aguilera. Yeah. Even when she sings, like, and a lot of her songs show her vocal range because she's not singing like Christina Aguilera. Yeah. But I forgot that it was her a lot of the time watching this. Is that a good thing? I think so. Yeah, that's what I'm asking, because I yeah. think that's a good thing. I think it's a very good thing. The name is what gets your butt in the seat. But I think you are then immersed in this world. Mm -hmm. And actually, you you believe that she is this character. Yeah. I, I mean, I was saying to you when we did our preamble that, oh, this is her debut. Well, I forgot that she was in the Mickey Mouse Club. Hmm. So she has got like a kind of background for this kind of on-screen performance. Obviously, as well, she has done her music videos and she's always been quite theatrical with them. Yeah. But this was very different because mm. she wasn't being Christina. And yeah. I, I think she did a really good job. And yeah, like I, I enjoyed it. But cool. interesting way to set up the world mm. because we never kind of refer back to it. I thought there's going to be more of a plot point of her boss comes after her for the money. No. Like I felt like there might be some danger or peril later on. No. Yeah. Which... It's more that, like, this is a horrible situation. I don't want to be here, so I might as well just take this money and go. And it establishes that she is this really good, like, headstrong character who just 
does what's right for her. She's headstrong. I like her eyes. <laughs> Flashback to a musical we love. Yes. Um, yeah, so I wanted to talk about that because you, you had a lot of things that you were saying while we were watching it that you liked about her character. Yeah. This character was rewritten for Christina Aguilera. Yeah, you mentioned that to me. Yeah. Because they wanted to originally cast her as Nikki. No, no. She So they pitched her the script. Yes. And she said to her the most interesting character was Nikki and that why would she want to play this lead character they'd written because the version of her that they'd written in the script was like a lot meeker. Yeah. Basically, the, the version in the script is Sherry from Rock of Ages. Yeah, which kind of just exists and bumbles about from misadventure to misadventure. Yeah, it's just whereas kind of wet. Allie in this takes a lot of control of what she's she doing. She does, and I think that's really powerful about her character. She knows what she wants, and she takes it. So they did extensive rewrites then to kind of make mm-hmm. it acceptable for Christina. Yeah, and actually Steve Antin got the idea for this film after he watched Christina Aguilera perform with the Pussycat Dolls. So if you don't have Christina in this film, it doesn't happen. Yeah, basically. Because she's firmly in its DNA. Mm-hmm. She's inspired it, and it's, you know, a love letter to Christina, and we have to have her involved. Basically, yeah. Cool. I mean, I don't mind that. I feel like if you've got a certain star that you want in it, you're always going to have to expect rewrites. Yeah. And if Christina wasn't involved, then you're willing to compromise and keep that character as it is. Mm. And you'll find someone who suits it. Yeah. You've got your heart set on her, you'll make those changes. I like Ali's character in this. Yeah, same. I like that she doesn't just sit back and wait for opportunity, that she creates her own destiny. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really nice thing about her character. And we'll yeah. talk about it as, as the film progresses. This is a very weird one. I'm just going to say off the bat, because it doesn't feel like a musical. Because the musical numbers are not what you kind of expect until about halfway through. It's like a film of two halves when it comes to musical numbers. Yeah, I know what you mean. And it's almost like Christina makes it a musical. It starts off with a really, really good one with, I get a feeling. Yeah. Like, that was a really nice (laughs) number. What? (laughs) You said that and I said, yeah. Yeah. And it's a really appropriately sexy transition mm-hmm. where she sits on the chair and it just transitions into the burlesque club. Yes. And I thought we were going to start with her as an established star. No. Because it's almost like she's gone from A to B. Like it's a montage to get her to a... Because that's how I thought the plot was going to be, that she was you know, already there and it was a pre-existing rivalry I think I got the plot of this completely wrong because mm. Cher isn't a rival to her Cher is kind of the mother figure Cher's the fairy godmother yes yeah. but it's kind of weird that we have cuts to the burst at this point because we've been introduced to the world before Christina has I quite like that because I like it as a way of like look this world has always been here yes. and it's not our fault that she hasn't heard of it no and I agree with that but I also quite like the idea of it being that the first time we experience it is through her eyes. At this point, it feels like we're established in the burlesque squad and she isn't. Mm. So when she does go there, it's kind of a little bit jarring because you're like, we already know this place exists. I guess that's fair. And like, if it was a stage musical, I think you'd have... You'd wait until she got there. You'd wait until she got there and then it would be this like fantastical moment. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a criticism because it works. I liked the juxtaposition 
of travel and show. Mm-hmm. It's like she's heading there. Something's pulling her to this place. Yeah. But I just would also quite like to see a cut of this where the first experience of burlesque for the audience is mm-hmm. through Christina's gaze. Yeah. So she arrives in LA. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, Marilyn Manson, the beautiful people, is playing in the background, like completely inexplicitly. They didn't even sing the beautiful people, the beautiful people. It's just playing in the background. Yeah. And it's never referenced again. It's like they again. can decide whether they wanted this to be like a a California rom com hmm. or a musical. Yeah, it <laughs> because just... there's a lot of like background music in this one. There's a lot of background music, which I don't mind. It's a very weird musical film experience. Mm. I would say this is a musical podcast in the loosest sense yeah. this week. But it does have musical hey, numbers. Hey, if we ever watch uh, Sister Act, that's going to fall into that category. In fairness, this sets a precedent for us doing things like Get Into the Greek as well. Because there are songs in that. There's arguably more songs in that mm. than there are in this. Well, there's this musical that I want us to watch, which, like you say, is technically a musical, called Begin Again. Yes. With Keira Knightley and Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, you've told me about that. I really like that film, yeah. but I wouldn't put it on here because I don't think it is a musical. Yes. You know? So, like, how do we define? But, you know. Exactly. I, I think the criteria for a musical movie mm. isn't just a movie adaptation of a musical. I think if you have, I would say, three to four musical numbers minimum, for me, that makes that- it... There's a low number. This is where Disney's going right now. Yes, but I think because if you look at the length, it's it's kind of proportionate to the length overall. Yeah. Because some of the Disney films are barely 80 minutes, but they have three to four musical numbers. Therefore, to me, it's a musical. Mm. Do you know which Disney movie has the most musical numbers? I want to say Little Mermaid. No. You want me to tell you? Yeah, go for it. It's Alice in Wonderland. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And that's one of the shortest. Yeah. So, you know, for me, I think that's what I'd say for movie musicals, depending on length, mm-hmm. obviously longer ones, if we get five or six songs, I'd still say for a 90 minute film, it makes it a musical. Yeah, for sure. And I think if you can't tell the plot without these songs, again, it has to be a musical. And you can't tell this plot without these songs. Absolutely. It's, the songs are important. They're not just incidental. No, they are they're vital integral. to this. So... It is a movie musical. Mm-hmm. But you are right that the mix of diegetic and non-diegetic sound is very unlike any other musical we've watched before. Definitely. You know, I mentioned it last week during Freaky Friday that it's quite jarring to have non-diegetic music play. Mm-hmm. It was here. And like in Annie too. Yes. It was here, but I felt like it was a better use of diegetic and non-diegetic. Yes, because we understand that in the world of this movie... All of this music exists because none yes. of these songs are supposed to be original songs. Which I've got a great question later on when we get to it. So mm-hmm. we walk into burlesque. Yes. And so Ali hears the alluring music of the burlesque as she walks past and she walks in. And Alan Cummins can wash my mouth out with Jägermeister any day of the week. Alan Cumming can wash my mouth out with anything he likes. He is so sexy in this. He's really sexy in everything. I love him. I have to say, it's one of the things about this film I didn't enjoy is... The underuse of Alan Cumming. Yeah, because he has, I would say, maybe two or three moments on screen where 
yeah. does something, and that feels criminal. Well, this is the thing. It's just a really weird cabaret reference. Is that what it is? Yeah. Well, it has to be. I haven't been able to find anything on that. I think they just got him to be in this film. But all of his scenes, he plays the MC in Cabaret. Okay. And Cher is the MC in this. Yeah. But then he also does perform in this burlesque. Yeah, and it's kind of weird. Like, he's there. He exists. He does more than just greet people and take the money. Yeah. But I love that this is how we Because this was him. a two-hour long movie. Yeah, just about. So it's not even like they could add another half an hour in. Like, Why did why it, is he... he end up with Stanley Tucci? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. why have him in it? I feel like the best way to have added more of him was just to naturally have him in the scenes with Cher and Stanley Tucci. Like, they are the... In the a trio, circle, yeah. The golden trio mm-hmm. of this burlesque. And there's they all always, obviously get on. Yeah, and there's always like a tension between... And it could be like a rivalry. It could be that you just don't get along, him and Stanley Tucci, him and mm-hmm. Sean. And then at the end, there's just a moment where they kiss or something. And then it's like... Or the, the whole scene at the end, which we'll get to... Would have been him instead. And it's kind of like, oh, is this not Sean's place? He's like, it is like it is and my head hurts don't talk to me I'm leaving and then he says do you want to go and then you still get the don't miss out your shots and then they have that moment yeah I feel like I'm bitter about the underutilisation of Alan Cumming in this Mm. film because he is great and he looks the part and he he is the part absolutely it's a shame I love him but we also get an amazing introduction to Cher yeah we do as she sings welcome to burlesque Mm mm-hmm so, Cher wrote this song. Yeah. I can fully imagine that for the sake of this world, she wrote this song to introduce her show. Absolutely. I can 100% believe that her character, Tess, wrote this song. However, it's lip-synced. Mm-hmm. So she is lip-syncing to a Cher song. Yeah. So Cher exists in this universe. No, because it's supposed to be a recording of Tess. They they establish that later on. Okay. It's that Tess sings all her own songs, but they just record them. So I was going to say, like, because of how other songs exist in this world and everyone else lip syncs and she's lip syncing to this moment. Yeah. Is she... No, there's a moment later on where... Oh, I know she sings her own song later on, her big ballad. No, no. Before that. Like, yeah. literally in, like, ten minutes. Yeah. In, like, further into this movie... Ali says to to Tess about the girls lip syncing and Tess says, all of my songs are my songs. And Ali's like, well, well, of course. And then they just move on. Okay. I missed that line. Yeah. Because I was going to say, I thought, that's great. Cher exists in this world, but it doesn't. So she is the only person who writes her songs. Mm -hmm. That's cool. This is a really nice introduction. It's a good exposition song to the world of burlesque. This song's great. Yeah. The costume design is amazing. (laughs) Just Are you talking about hours. Cher or the girls? Well, Cher, the girls, everyone throughout this so film. So everything Cher wears in this movie... Is already hers. Is Cher's clothes. <laughs> huh? And she was on Graham Norton yes. talking about it. And he asked her about like, oh, did you get to keep any of the clothes? And she was like, yeah, they were all my clothes. Most of them were designed by her friend Bob Mackey, who yes. designs most of her clothes. Cool. Yeah. Now, 
we perhaps shouldn't have listened to Fernando this morning <laughs> because I was expecting a far more belty share. Yeah, no. This was belty at moments, but it wasn't like share belty. Yeah. I'm not criticizing. It doesn't fit the character. It doesn't fit the character and it doesn't fit the world, but I liked this song and it was quite nice to see some range. Yeah. Which we're going to get both her and Christina Aguilera, who are mm. arguably the mm. only ones who are singing this. Yes. Which is weird when you do have talent like Christine Bell that she's not singing. We're going to get onto that because yeah. I have some things to say about that. So I wrote and I was like really interested. And you mentioned how amazed you were that I picked this up like straight away. I was like, honey, the dubbing looks off on this. Is yeah. she lip syncing? Because it was just off. I was like, that's really bad sound editing. And like, that's the point. It's off by like a millisecond. Yes. And you just went, that's the point. I was like, Oh, okay. Because they're just they're lip syncing. They're lip syncing because of and I was like, this is a really curious way to do a musical. But it works. Yeah. You know, like it Especially it feeds into the plot. Yeah, exactly. Like it's also you have this understanding that oh, actually, why wouldn't you lip sync in this job? To be honest, realistically they're dancers. This is a dance movie. Yes. But then why have a live band? True. This bar is where you end up when the Cullens are done with you. Fun fact, Robert Pattinson auditioned to play the boyfriend role in this. Really? Yeah. He got Batman instead. Yeah. And we got James from Twilight. It is. And he's called Jack, which is very confusing. Is he? I thought his character's name was Jack. Or Jake. Oh, it is Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So Jack and James. So I did, my, most of my notes sometimes say James and sometimes say It's fine. If you Jack. call him James, I'll know who you're talking about. Yeah. The dynamic between Tess and Sean is really cute. And they do a great job at establishing there's lots of history to, between these characters. Like, mm-hmm. you get the sense that they are longtime friends and, and, like, there for each other through thick and thin. We don't need to see their history to get that. Their relationship is so well performed like instantly yeah Yeah. their chemistry between the two of them this is stanley tucci and Cher now yes they just seem like they're having a great time running their club like just getting on with their lives meanwhile Cher's ex-husband is the most boring person do you know i i said to you later on in the film but they could have cast jeff goldblum in that role Jeff Goldblum would have been great casting for this. It's Peter Gallagher. I don't know who that is. Um, so I'm sorry. I don't know who that is. Perhaps he's someone who's been in more things than I might recognise. But it just, I felt like Jeff Goldblum would have been really good casting here. Yeah. We established that the bar's in financial peril. I really like that the ex-husband is called Mr. Tess. Mm-hmm. It just, I love the, the power that Cher has in this world. Yeah. Like, Do you know, I just yeah. looked up who he is. He's the professor in How I Met Your Mother that is in Ted's, like, shame pit. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's Professor Vidic. Hmm. Fair. Hmm. Great enthusiasm, terrible timing. Yes. It's a, some really great lines. And then Kristen Bell shows up and, oh my God, she looks amazing. Yeah, dark hair Kristen Bell is. I've never seen dark so hair Kristen Bell. 
it's weird because I was thinking about the timeline of this film. So this is 2010. Now, mm-hmm. obviously, she's been doing Veronica Mars for a, for a long old time. She's blonde in that too, right? She is. But the first thing I ever saw her in was Forgetting Sarah Marshall in 2008. So I'm kind of used to her. And she's like the bad guy in that. Yeah. And I'm used to her being that kind of bitch character. Because Mm. that's what she is in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, for lack of a better term. Yeah. And she is the closest thing to a villain. But she's so Mm likeable. Like, not just because of Anna in Frozen, but Veronica Mars. And in encore when we see her and in most things she's in i've seen her in the good place and she plays this type of character again really well Mm -hmm. but the other thing is it's weird seeing her in such a sexy role yeah because i don't feel like that's what we see her as usually and that's not a criticism she comes across as being quite girl next door yes so to see her like this was just wow yeah like she's I think she's a, a gorgeous woman anyway. Mm-hmm. But she was really sexy here. And yeah. It just, it took me back a little bit. When you said she was in it, I would have expected her to maybe have been that original, like, meek and mild character. Mm-hmm. Who, maybe there'd have been protesters about the burlesque and she might have been one of them. Yeah. That's the plot of Rock of Ages. Yeah, but you, you get what I mean? Like, she'd have been that kind of character. Mm-hmm. But she was fantastic here. She did. She didn't get enough screen time either. I'd have loved to have seen more of her character. Mm. Like we don't. I feel like we learn a lot about her without her having any kind of resolution. <sighs> she like, does. I'm going to talk about this later on. Yeah, she does kind of get a resolution at the end, but Christina Aguilera agrees and says she looks wow, and then insults her. Yeah. But again, like it's not we're trying to dislike this character. Ali gives as good as, as she, she gets. gets. Yeah. And actually, it's this cutthroat business, and she has to be ruthless. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Rock of Ages. We meet Georgia, yes. who is played by Julianne Howe, who is Sherry in Rock of Ages. Uh, yep, so we, we meet the gang. Yep. But we also see that Ali will fake it until she makes it. Mm-hmm. And she just picks up and she she creates her own luck. She's yeah. not going to get a job on stage, but she's going to get a job as a waitress and she just She does might it. as well work here. Yep. Yeah, she makes it work and that's it. And I, I, you know what? Love that attitude. She just picks up, she makes it work and that's her in. You've mm-hmm. got to start from the bottom and work your way up. So, yeah, we get the Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. I'm not going to count it as a song, because obviously it's lip-synced and kind of dubbed, but... Except for the ending, which yes. is Christina Which Aguilera. is Christina. I, I did put, again, the sound editing is weird, because this is the... You know, like, it is just weird. It's very jarring. I get why, and I'm not mm-hmm. criticising that. It's just very weird when you notice it and you realise what was going on, because I didn't notice it with Cher until the end of that song, but now it was noticeable the whole time. yeah. The choreography was great, though. Again, like, the interplay between Nikki and Georgia. Yeah. Really liked that. Mm -hmm. And then Christina at the end, like, such a good little moment. And it's just nice. She's learning about burlesque here. Like, she's she's picking up the moves. We get a really nice line between her and Cher. Mm -hmm. Ma'am, what am I? My mother? great yep. line there's some really good lines in this mm-hmm. like this i would say the script is really strong like there's yeah. some really good lines that feel authentic yeah you and sometimes with these kind of films you get like obviously the script for this is quite cheesy this is a lot of tropes oh, yeah. that we've seen in other films thousands of times before however 
all of the actors seem really natural saying all of their lines. Yeah. It doesn't come across forced in any way. I don't think, anyway. No, I'd agree with that. So we have a nice little montage where Ali learns about burlesque. And you said to me how much you really like this sequence. Yeah, she goes, she obviously goes to a library or a bookstore or something. Anyway, she pours this pile of books about burlesque onto her bed and starts reading them. Yeah. It amazing, amazing. Yeah. I'm so pleased. It's so nice to have a movie of this style where the character doesn't know about this art form in advance and then also goes out of their way to study it yes. and find out about the history of it so that they can bring something of their own to the role. But also because it's not just like we see her as starting as a fan and just progressing. Going. Yeah, We see her learn an interest and actually then pursue the interest, mm-hmm. which I think is an important message for anyone. You know, you learn something and you've never seen it before and you suddenly become enamoured with it and you have to know everything. Yeah. And it's amazing when you do that because it's a really good journey. I think it captures that really well. Mm-hmm. So we get Dentist. I don't know what the real name of that song uh, It's is. called The Long John Blues. It's by Megan Mullally. It's kind of a non-song to me. Like, again, it's just more... It's establishing this burlesque world. Mm-hmm. And I would say the song is very much background. Like, the choreography is amazing. And the choreography for everything is amazing in this. Yeah. But this song is more important because it shows Ali learning the ropes and picking up on the routines. But it Mm -hmm. also introduces us to Marcus, the real estate mogul, who wants to buy the club out. Yes. Who is also dating... Nikki. Nikki currently. Tess won't sell to him, despite what Mr. Tess wants. Yep. And despite his protests... Yeah, and then you get the you you get a concrete line here of the girl's lip syncing. So if you hadn't yet got the sound editing, it's now made explicitly clear. And I like that they say that. I like mm-hmm. that it's not like a secret that until they drop, because it is quite jarring. So it's nice to just be able to sit back now and not worry about like the jarring musical numbers. Yeah, definitely. People come to watch them dance and lip sync to great singers. That's that's what Tess says. Come to watch them dance and lip sync to great singers. These girls aren't great singers. Mm-hmm. They're dancers. Yes. And as Nikki says over and over again through this film, they don't come to hear us sing. Yeah. Yeah. We get a very brief moment where Christina's flat apartment's been broken into and her money's gone. Yeah. So she hid the money that she stole from her boss at the beginning of the movie which was money that she was owed. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't she, say it was stolen. She took what she was owed. She didn't take a penny more. Yeah, she, she made a point of that. Yeah. She hides it in her toilet, like, bowl. The cistern. Yeah. And, like, in a baggie, she puts it in there so that if somebody does break in, they won't find it. However... They find it. They found it. I thought this was going to be a bigger point because I honestly thought it was like, he's come after her. And I kind of thought this was continuing that thread of her leaving yeah it just all it does is it serves as a way to get her into james's apartment Mm, yeah we've got to move things on as quickly as possible yeah which is fine so he writes music Mm -hmm. and he enjoys coffee that's as black as his soul yeah cool we're starting to learn a little bit more about him he's not just this handsome muscular specimen yeah who might or might not be gay. Mm-hmm. 
he tells Ali he has a fiance, and Ali's like, huh. Yeah. Did not get that, but okay. And then as soon as she learns that he is engaged... Oh, she gets dressed. She thinks she's hanging out with her gay friend and then finds out that not only is he straight, but he also has a fiancé. And actually is very embarrassed by it because she was just standing uncomfortably in her underwear. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh my God, I can't believe I've done this. She's got a really good moral code. Yeah. You know, even though she's done nothing wrong at this point, it's almost like, yes, Mm -hmm. should not have done this. Massively inappropriate. And goes down in the rain and he goes and he rescues her. And he's just like, right, come here, you stubborn cow. Get in here. Yeah, I don't like him. Do you not? No. He's really unnecessarily pushy. As soon as he starts to fall in love with her, he becomes really possessive, really fast. And also he spends the entire movie cheating emotionally on his fiance. Okay. I, I agree with your points. I think you can also like him as a character at the yes. same time. I just feel like I don't... I'm here for, like, Stanley Tucci, Cher, mm-hmm. and Christine Aguilera, and a little bit Kristen Bell. Everybody else is, like, white noise. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I've written the note, he won't stay engaged. Mm. Because he's going to fall in love with Ali. Like, that much Obviously. is clear. Yes, he is emotionally cheating, but... He at least does do the right thing and break it off. Yeah, it's not he, his fault that no, she doesn't accept it. Do, it. It takes a while for him to realise because I think you can always, you can make a new friend and just be like, okay, they're really interesting. And I think he's self-aware enough to then say, yeah, I shouldn't be getting married regardless because if I'm having these feelings. I don't think you can safely say like he's emotionally cheating after like one or two days of getting to know this person and banter, but clearly this is a prolonged period. Progressing, yeah. And he does make the right decision mm-hmm. and probably a, a carefully considered decision of, Am I feeling something more for this? Is this emotional cheating? I would say that's not his fault. He It's not like he lies away from it. Yeah. So I would say he does the right thing. Yes, it's not a nice thing to be done, but at least he's honest about it. Mm. Georgia. Oh my God, Georgia, please have the flu. Please, please, please have the flu. Nope. I like that. I like when she's like, you better not have the flu. And there's like, oh dear God, I hope you have the flu. Please have the flu. Yeah. So... I like the things we're starting to learn about Tess, despite her being quite like a bull in a china shop and quite mm. like intimidating. She looks after her She looks people. after her people. Like she promises to look after everything. It's not like, right, you're useless to me. Out you go. Mm. Because you still don't know about Tess at this point because she is quite harsh. Yeah. She is cutthroat. She could have just got rid of her completely and threw out the street. No, she is loyal to the people who've been loyal to her. Mm-hmm. The auditions occur and they didn't even tell Ali. I thought that. Do we address that? She gets a, She's annoyed and she starts her own audition, but they don't address the fact that she's literally working here because she wants to be on the stage. They don't really address it, but I think it's more just because Tess hasn't kind of... Tess got... is underestimating her. Exactly. Yeah. And I think this is it. Tess has probably come across hundreds of girls like Ali in the past mm-hmm. who don't stick it out as waitresses bartenders because they're not patient or they're not committed enough and she's maybe just giving Ali a little bit more of a chime to yeah get on her barometer Stanley Tucci's reaction to I'm talking to you and the way he's just <gasps> it's great <laughs> did, you, did you hear the line he says yeah he like gasps and goes oh shit <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> in the same way as if a if you were in a lesson and somebody talked back to the head, yeah. you would be like, oh shit. Oh yeah. Now she knows <laughs> right. every number mm-hmm. and she's told to prove it. Amazing. I love this. Yes. This is fantastic. Because how could she not be the person that they hire to be the new dancer? Yeah. She has worked there constantly. She All she does is learn those dances. Yes, yeah, exactly. And you see it when, when she's waitressing. Mm-hmm. Cher is discreetly impressed. She won't outwardly say she's in love. No, of course not. However, what I will say, and I think Cher raises a good point, is that you're not ready yet and you need a lot more to learn, is, is in this moment when she's performing, she knows the dance routines. But at this point in time, Ali doesn't ooze the sex appeal needed for burlesque. No. She knows the routines, but she's not got the character. She and she's got to develop up. that. She's got a big smile on her face, and it's almost like it's it's a hobby as opposed to a performance. And in this and I like that. I like that Ali's not the finished product here. You've mm. quite easily had Ali the finished product here. And she'd be like, well, I like that she's not, I like that she's missing something. Yeah. So she gets the chance and Sandy Tucci gets a glitter facial. Amazing. I love that joke. <laughs> it's so good the way he's just like... Just don't... make sure that you don't pull the trigger. <laughs> yeah, I liked that. So we get a montage to... And I feel... I love this song. It's a really good song. Oh, it's pizza time. But not for Christina. No. Because they all go without her. Because she's the new girl. Yes, but we get the ceremonial passing of the makeup brush. Mm-hmm. And it's a really nice moment. It's the first time where you feel Tess is an approachable person. Yeah. And I'm not saying that because she's been bad before. She's been a really lovely character, but she's kind of, you know, you've got to earn her trust, which fair. Trust isn't a given thing. But it's really nice when she starts to show some vulnerability because Ali is showing some vulnerability as well. I think it's the mm-hmm. first time Tess sees Ali as a person and not like a fangirl. Yeah. Because she is that and she is kind of suppressing this, This like, they won't accept me. So Cher talks about how, you know, makeup is like art. And I just wrote, yes, Cher, that's why they're called makeup artists. <laughs> yeah basically because it is it's a really weird analogy it's like yeah they're called makeup artists they're not called makeup appliers yeah because makeup is an art you mm. see how people on your tiktok feed as well like people who do their like amazing makeup oh, yeah 100 yeah. it is an art form because mm-hmm. it takes years to practice but also a while to execute as well as they do yeah we get a really nice bonding moment and Cher is her mama mia now. Mm-hmm. It's nice when we see the vulnerability to Ali because she is always so strong. Yeah. That hearing about her past and hearing about like the issues she's faced growing up without her mum, mm-hmm. it's nice. I feel like this is a big turning point for her and Tess because Tess starts to see her as a person as well. Yeah. And starts to let her in to the kind of inner circle not in the same way that Sani Tucci is but Mm -hmm. starts to trust her yeah and then we cut to James in the shower and he can't find a towel because Ali is a slob and has stolen it yeah really weird kind of moment but I like that we're seeing more of them as roommates and friends like 
Yeah. You're starting to see them. One of my favorite things with this scene. Yeah. Is that obviously the actor isn't just naked. Yes. He has boxer shorts on. Yes. And there's a moment where they pan to him in the shower and he's trying to find a towel he, and you can see his boxes. And it's so funny. Yeah, does he shower in his boxes? He clearly does. Natalie's play got extended. Mm-hmm. So now he needs Ali's help. And I like the power switch here where she's like, oh, you want me to move out? Okay, I'll start looking. Oh, you want me to stay? Well, I want half the carpet and I want the bedroom. Yeah. And... She wins. Yes. We cut to a scene of Cher folding a paper aeroplane and then Stanley Tucci enters and the plane flies at <laughs> him. There's no way Cher threw that paper no. aeroplane. Like Some poor like runner was just throwing that over and over again. Yes. I like that we're getting these constant kind of threads about the money issues because that kind of is like the main plot of this. Yeah. Tess needs money and she needs to make a lot of money in a month. Right. Here's something I noticed. How long does she have to get the money? A month. The girl at the beginning who's pregnant. Yes. Has had her baby by the end of this film. Has she? Yeah, she's in the finale, which means she started working back at the club and she's not pregnant anymore. But we don't know how long has happened since the the closure of the issues and that final sequence. I suppose that's true. But she does get married within but this time. But she's pregnant when she's married. Yes. Like she's got a tummy. Okay, but I would say then that there's we always get kind of the thread of constant negotiations with the bank. Yeah. And maybe Tess is able to get negotiations that each month she just about swings swings through. And is like pushing it back. And push it, but it gets to the point where the bank's like, We've given you months. Yeah. So either there's some poor continuity with the pregnancy mm-hmm. or like we just assume that Tess is getting through. I don't know. You are right. That's a, I didn't pick up on that thread myself. Usually I'm the one. There's another thing like these. that that I'm going to talk about way later on. Yeah. But it really bugged me. But yeah, that's that was one of the things that I was watching thinking, hang on. Yes. <laughs> Now, Nikki is sent home for drinking. Yeah. And Ali is going to replace her. Yeah. I think partly Tess is at that point now where it's breaking point, it's crunch time, and she knows that Nikki's a liability and she's run out of excuses. Mm. But not only that Nikki's a liability, Nikki has a problem. Yes, and she can't continue to... Like, fuel it. Fuel it, exactly. Now, I'd like you to read down. I've got suggestion. I would like you to read what I wrote next. That I wrote me it to be able to read your handwriting. But I wrote it at this exact point in the film. So can you read it out loud? Nikki's sent home for drinking. Ali's replacing her. Suggestion. She's going to sabotage, but Christina will sing and will save the club. <laughs> yeah, basically. So I wrote that at this point in the play, in the film. Yeah. To say this film is formulaic. Yeah, it I is. But I think this is a fair statement when. I can figure out kind of the rest of the plot with an hour and 15 minutes left. Yeah. I'm not criticising. This is a popcorn movie. It's easy watching. I notice you haven't written anything about air rights. So actually, don't think you guessed anything about the plot. <laughs> what I will say is... <laughs> Ali saves the club. Yeah, she I does. didn't say about air rights. I didn't say how she was going to save the club. But she saves the club. She saves the club. Yeah, so Nikki goes up and 
up to the, the sound desk, tells the poor sound technician that Cher is looking for him. He gets really paranoid and goes away. Because you would she... be, if you are told Tess needs you, you're kind of like not willing to chance it on ignoring that. Yeah. <laughs> and especially if the song that you're doing has quite easy lighting. Yes. And you can step away. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. And then Nikki unplugs the mics, which for some reason creates feedback. Well, it destroys everything. It stops the lighting and everything. Yeah, I know. It turns everything off. Yes. Amazing. And everyone's like, oh, oh no. no. What will we do? If only we had someone who could sing. This well, is exactly the same as Mean Girls. So, <laughs> people get up and start to leave and the curtains come down, mm. coming down. And Christina just starts singing. Yeah. And everyone stops and starts to sit back down. Mm-hmm. And Tess says, stop, stop, Stanley. Mm-hmm. Stop pulling the curtain down. Pull it back up. Stanley? Yes. Oh, right. Okay, Sean. Yeah. Yes. And Ali sings Tough Love. Mm-hmm. In this performance. Tough Lover. Tough Lover. Yeah. In this performance, Ali is having so much fun and you can see it. And it's just something, it's fun for us. Especially with the other girls who yes. didn't really give her the time of day before no, now. And suddenly... but I think there's something like, wow, she's she's thinking on her feet. The MVP of this scene, though, is that tambourinist who yes. literally just improvises along with them. And dances with them. Yes, Great. love that. And everything changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stanley Tucci gives delicious wisdom to Ali. Obviously. Clearly, one of us has underestimated the other, says Nikki. Yes, Nikki. But who is underestimated who? Yeah, right. I thought this when she says that line. One of us has underestimated the other. I understand that it's both, oh, I underestimated you, but I'm still a threat to you. Yes, don't you dare underestimate me. But also at this point, what threat is Nikki to her? She could straight up shank her. She absolutely could, but we know she's not going to. (laughs) No, she isn't. It's Buzz Lightyear syndrome. All of the the crew wants to now hang out with Ali. And she's the shiny new toy. Strange things are happening to Nikki. <laughs> yeah. Strange Nobody seemed to particularly like Nikki thing. anyway. No, but I feel like they kind of. But she was up like with the her. head bitch. She was. They put up with her because she put butts in seats. Like True. before we even meet her, we see a poster of her. Oh yeah, she's on the poster outside and very yes. quickly that poster gets replaced with It does, her. but also Marcus is coming and is arguably their best customer spending the most money there. Yeah, he orders a whole bottle of champagne at a time. Exactly. So you are going to put up with Nikki's diva demands because... She breaks in the cash. Yeah, she's arguably the only one who's keeping the bar afloat at this point in time. Yeah. So Sean realises that James loves Ali and tells him that he does Mm. she's beautiful in the inside too and then I love he responds with advice from Mr. One Night Stand himself yeah which is great Mm -hmm. but yeah he's already picked up on James's feelings and I think James at this point is still like don't be silly well this is also where he brings up that uh, James says that he's engaged yes and Stanley Tucci's like oh yeah I bet you have great phone conversations what do you talk about how much fun she's having what she's up to yes what her life is like and you see that James Jack is like oh yeah that's true yeah and actually do you know what their relationship was always going to fail and I think he just needed someone to make him feel something 
and yeah. actually for him to realize I'm not in love with her. I used to be. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt he was when they got engaged. To engage, to get yeah. engaged. To but something, actually, yeah. their lives have both changed, and he's mm-hmm. got every right to realize that. Yeah, for sure. I wonder how many of Stanley Tucci's lines were improvised because he just he just says so many things sometimes that just you look at it and just think, wow, like yeah, I just love it. Like mm-hmm. he's really good with it. Ali sings I'm a good girl and she's a natural. Mm-hmm. She's taken to this like a duck to water. Yeah, this costume that she's wearing is also based off of a character from Cabaret. Yeah. What I liked here is that her voice sounds so different to how she usually sounds. This yes. isn't like a Christina song. This mm-hmm. is a Ali song. Mm-hmm. And I like that because you feel more that this is that character. She is slowly starting to look more and more like Christina Aguilera. Yeah. And partly that's because she's performing. Mm-hmm. But I like... That she's not just singing the same style each time. This song also has my favourite dance part. Yeah. Like dance number in it. Where they're on the back of the bar. And there's like sliding windows on the back of the bar. Yes. So she's going in and out of these sliding windows. And as she goes in the middle one, when she next comes out, yeah. all the girls come out and dance as her yes. backup dancers. Amazing. Yeah, that bit was am- uh, amazing. It's iconic. <laughs> the kind of backdrop to this is Jack spies on her as she's getting changed but then is like caught and it's like oh I'm just getting here because he's slowly starting to realize like oh I'm drawn to her and like he's starting to feel uncomfortable because he's no I felt he was uncomfortable about it like he's like yeah I don't he... want to like her I shouldn't like her yeah he clearly is uncomfortable but I like no I do agree with you it's still kind of creepy yeah Ali is a genie in a bottle and she's just waiting for Jack to rub her the right way <laughs> sure I'm a genie in a bottle. You gotta rub me the right way if you is wanna there, be with there's me. There's another song about a genie in a bottle. Is there? I can make okay. your wish come true. I think Dove Cameron did a cover of that Possibly. song. Yeah. Yeah, but that's Christina song. A guy what takes his time. Yeah. This is Christina Aguilera voice. Yeah, hundred percent. And there's just a real charm to her performance because she's doing the striptease here. Like, this is the most kind of burlesque performance mm-hmm. she's done so far. And the way she's like, oh, when, like, her clothes come flying off. Yeah. And then she, and she's she got the flowers. Like, this is the most kind of burlesque we've seen her. And she's just having a ball. Mm-hmm. Like, you, she's having so much fun. Jack's reaction to this. Yes. He works here. Yes. I assume because he's a bartender, he's not here during rehearsal hours. Yes. This cannot be then the first he walks, he's heard of this. No, but then he walks in while she's auditioning, so he must have been there during the day. Yeah, he obviously, like, opens the bar sometimes. Yes. But, like... Oh, he does inventory. Yeah. He says it earlier. So he must know some of the numbers. But I feel like... No, but they, these numbers are all being completely redone. Like, because Tess says... Well, gonna... he hasn't seen her rehearse this one at Possibly, all. Possibly, because he's very shocked when she gets naked. Yeah, he's really shocked and uncomfortable. Yeah, which is quite nice to see that he's uncomfortable with it. It's not like, you know, the wolf from the old Looney Tunes cartoons, just like with the tongue. Salivating, yeah, yeah. like it's quite nice to see the male being uncomfortable by like the kind of female sexuality. She, The female sexuality in this film is amazing. Oh, it is. It's very empowering. You don't feel like she's doing it because she needs money. Right? She's doing And they make thing. a big deal out of making, like, you never see any of the men, like, patrons of this place being inappropriate. Yes. 
it's all treated you like know, it's art. You know. Oh, Tess would kill someone. Tess is going to castrate these men. Who, yeah, 100%. But this is the thing. It's a real difference to the kind of world of burlesque we saw in Gypsy, where it is where Korea's mm-hmm. going to die. Yes. This is a valid art form at this point. And it's mm-hmm. like, I, I love it. I really do like how empowering it is for these, these women. I quite like that Ali doesn't seem to be getting arrogant with success. Because usually... Yeah, she's the, having a good time. Yeah, usually the arc of these kind of... These kind of films. I've realised now she's not having a rivalry with Cher. But usually the arc is, I get good. I become a star. I'm now better than all of you. Oh no, I'm back to where I started. I'm going to get back there, but I'm going to be nice. Pride before a fall. Exactly. Yeah. So Marcus wants dinner with her. Mm-hmm. His character is just money and womanizer. Yeah, he his character's really weird because... Nicky is more of a bad guy than he is. Yes. And I don't understand... He isn't actually a villain. He, he is. No, and I really like how that's yeah. dealt with. Obviously, he has, at this point, forced her against her will to go to this party. Yeah, and you think it's going to go a completely different way. Yeah. Other than that, he's fairly gentlemanly with her. Mm-hmm. And every other time she has said no to him... He has honoured it. He's honoured it. So I don't understand why they're okay, why this is the time that he's not. Because there are other moments where he could have been like... Perhaps it's because this is the first time and he's going to learn from here at this point to respect her. Like perhaps that friendship or that kind of this this relationship changes. Because she's the first person to ever call him out on his lines. Like he says that no woman's ever called me out on my cheesy lines before. Yeah. Well, and also there's a great bit a little bit earlier when they meet for the first time yes. and he says, how about a drink? And she says, oh, sure, the bar's over there. Yeah. And then she just walks away from him. Yeah. And like, you get the idea with this rich dude that nobody's ever done that to him yeah. before. He has a weird story about helping the underdog for The View. And he tells this guy about buy, about like air... Air rights. Air rights. And basically he's like, but I bought the air rights because I like The View and I don't want it to be like lost. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, he's not, he helps the underdog. So maybe he will help the burlesque bar. Maybe he's, yeah. I kind of like that, that you think, okay, maybe he's not just out to get them, which is then when it turns out what his real intentions are. He is a villain, but he's not the villain. It's really mm. interesting. There's no real villain in this. Like everyone's just living their life and everyone's got different motivations. Yeah. And no one tries to do anything too underhanded. Mm-hmm. The one time we've seen anything underhanded, it is Nikki sabotaging Ali. Yeah. But it backfires. And you don't see her be underhanded again. It's not like you have a game of one-upmanship of like each time Ali goes to perform something messes up. Mm. You know. So the next morning, Ali gets Marcus's package. And it's her shoes. And everyone's like, wow. And she's like, hmm, okay. These are pretty. Oh my God, no. Those shoes are amazing. I know, they're amazing. Like they really were. They're like... Diamond encrusted Louboutins. Diamonds like, are a girl's best friend. And they've got the red soul and everything. Yeah. This is the thing, right? I don't... I'm not like a high fashion person. But like those shoes are great. Yeah. Christina sings Express. Which I assume is a song written by Christina for this. Yes. This... The transition into this was so sexy. Where she sits on the chair mm-hmm. and she looks up and it just suddenly we've gone from backstage to on stage. Yeah, because the set for this song yes. is 
the girls sat at makeup mirrors that then like swivel to face the audience. It's all very clever. Yeah. And the choreography for this is amazing. I don't like that we cut away from this song for kind of the dialogue and the plot and the exposition with Jack and with Cher and Sonny. You never like that. I like it in some things, but this is a really nice moment. I was just enjoying it. And it, I like that we went back to it. I wanted more of it. I was kind of like, oh, mm. take me back, take me back. It didn't work with Easy Street in the newer Annie. I, didn't, yeah. I really didn't like it then. Especially just, when you, you can still hear them singing yes, while they're also it's having weird. a conversation. Tess is slowly looking more old, tired and sad as time goes on. And like, there's a real lack of makeup. And it's quite mm-hmm. nice. You're kind of seeing vulnerable side. Do you know how many songs are left at this point? Because how much of the film is left? Probably like 40 minutes. Yeah, there's four songs left. And one of them is Alan Cummings' performance. Yeah, which doesn't... I didn't count that one. That counts as a song. It's on the soundtrack. So I start to think, oh, her ego is possibly coming here. Mm. Because her and Jack have an argument. But, like, that's mostly because he starts to miss her when she's not around because he's grown accustomed to her face obviously you make that I've missed you making that joke <laughs> I stopped because you booed me <laughs> and yeah he starts to think like I should have listened to to Sean yeah because she is spending more time with Marcus and like he's really uncomfortable because his rep- Marcus's reputation is he goes after the hottest new toy yeah which you can understand and we get this weird that weird like Alan Cummings cabaret moment mm-hmm. which is great i love that kind of vaudeville act that he's got with the banana and the woman biting the banana the and the interactions. Yeah. yeah like that's a really fun moment mm-hmm. why have we not got more of that why have what? We... is this the first time they've ever done an act like this at this burlesque club Possibly. it surely isn't because yeah. alan cummings here all the time but also it's so polished and well rehearsed it's not like it's done by mistake like they just mm-hmm. oh, this film needs more of him it really does. And Tess tells Ali, you need to learn from me. Yes. Stop hanging out with Marcus. I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life, but just learn from my mistakes, please. Yeah. Is Ali going to listen? I hope so. And actually she does. And it's not a controversial point. We're not like teasing that their relationship is going to go bad. They just, they listen. And yeah. she, she does it. And it's nice. She's like, oh, you have way more life experience than me? Great. There's so many plot points in this film where usually they would go the other way. And this film just takes them the path of least resistance and it's nice mm. we get you haven't seen the last of me yes and I, this is what I'm saying so does Cher exist in this world or is Tess just an amazing lyricist and composer and it is just Tess mm. is a great lyricist and composer now the point of this song within the world mm. of burlesque is that Tess is going to perform it yes right this song doesn't fit burlesque no it's a ballad and it's a beautiful song and I'm not criticising the song I think it's gorgeous yeah it is a great song but it's not a burlesque club performance song and it kind of undermines tess's character that she would think that i i kind of assume that like with that she's trying to decide whether she could actually do anything with it and the answer is obviously no yeah this is the song that was nominated for a Golden Globe. And I love it. It's a great song. It just, it's not. It also ended up winning. It wasn't written yeah. by Cher. It was written by Diane Warren, but performed by Cher. But the thing is, burlesque is like this sexy kind of, you know, like striptease. For like, you know, like classy. Well, at that, this place, yeah. At yeah, this yeah. place. So, you can't 
do that kind of burlesque style performance to this song. No. And Tess should know that. So this song shouldn't even exist within the realms of I might perform this song. And because this isn't the sort of musical where the characters break into songs spontaneously, this is all diegetic musical because they are performing their songs. Mm. There's no other way for this song to exist and work. Yeah. But it just doesn't fit this universe. Mm. There's no reason for this song to exist. I'm glad it does because it, it's a it's a really great song and it's performed amazingly, of course, by Cher. Yes. But there's no reason for this song to exist. No, I agree with you. It is a little bit out of place with the rest of the song. Yes. What does Nikki know about loyalty? A. What does Nikki know about loyalty? Literally nothing, apparently. Yes. So she quits and she starts driving drunk. But Cher sure taught that window a lesson. Yeah. uh, As they get in this big fight and Nikki ends the fight by going too far and saying that she slept with Cher's ex-husband. On their honeymoon. Yeah, the night after their honeymoon. And... As she goes to drive away, Cher smashes a tire iron into Nikki's car window. Yes. Which is amazing. And is at Jared Good's favourite moment from Burlesque. Excellent. Which he was very I keen agree. to comment and leave us with the fantastic gif of Cher taking care of business. Mm-hmm. It is a really nice moment. And I like that after she's done that, she looks at this tire iron and she's just like, she just like drops it in the boot. And so. it's just like, I, it, but she's aware it's a mistake and she's, you don't see her get to that level. She feels mm-hmm. like she's someone who's risen above emotions and she's disappointed in herself because she knows Nikki needs help. Mm-hmm. She knows that Nikki's BSing her and Nikki hasn't really done that. Yeah. But. And also she's not married. She's obviously divorced her ex-husband for a reason. they are still very close and I like that. I like that it's not a toxic ex relationship it's no, like they work together so. yeah but even that like she gives him a kiss at the end like you still feel they're on good terms they just marriage didn't work out for them yeah this is the longest period without a song it is because we, we the... have to get all of the drama between ali and yeah. james well we get all the digest like Not james jack yeah we get the music at the wedding which is weird because they play like they a play verse of melt a song with you but they play a verse of a song and then move on to the next song yeah and Jack has clearly been drinking. Yeah. And he dances with Ali. And we get the flirty banter. Yeah. Flirty banter that she's like 100% not into. But only because she still thinks he's engaged. And then he announces that he's now Yes, that single. they split. And they instantly make moves on each other. Because I think Ali does like it. And she's been holding back. Because I won't do that to another woman. Yes. Because great moral code. They get back to the flat. Yes. And they're stumbling around drunk. I do like how it kind of builds up. I did write down in this world, Alan Cumming and Stanley Tucci are 100% together. They should be. It's such a There's shame. There's no reason for them to not no. be. The way they slowly build up the coitus between Jack yes. and Ali. And the the pyjamas. Yeah, this is it. So first he comes on with his sexy PJs. His like Christmas penguin PJs. Yes. And then he comes out again with his top off. Literally, it feels like he shuts the door and then disrobes and opens the door again mm-hmm. and now he's just in his trousers and he shuts the door and now he's completely naked walking through which like had he misread that situation is like a real like wow i don't want to see your penis yeah but and then she's carries... all like oh my god <laughs> well she's drunk too. yeah she's drunk and she's she's into it as well like they are flirting with each other yeah. and it's it's a really fun kind of way to break the tension of just like here's my penis 
Yeah, and then he carries the cereal box around in front of it. It's cookies, too. yeah. So he's like... Um, oh, it's he, a cookie box, yeah. He has the cookies, but he wants Ali's cookie. Uh. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to go to bed now. You know where the cookies are if you need them. And then he puts his trousers back on and they walk up and instantly she knows something's different here and it's gone from... It's more vulnerable and like they have their first kiss. And it's it's actually quite a romantic first kiss. It's not like kiss me i must have you it's actually built up up yeah and they've been back. friends for a really long time yeah. they've had their fallout already and now we can just move on and yes. be together finally he can rub her the right way sure so you get bound to you which is the song he was playing on the piano earlier in the film yes it's another weird burlesque song because it doesn't fit burlesque world because it's vulnerable this song it's is in, in her, in her head. head yes and I agree with that. I think this song's firmly in her head. Because we're watching it, I'm thinking, no, it's not because there's an audience. But she could just be performing fictionally in her in her head to this audience. No, it's the same as Roxy in yes, Chicago. it is. Happens inside her head. Yeah, but it doesn't... Because that doesn't really happen in any other moment in this. No, that's yeah. why it's so weird. Exactly, because it isn't a burlesque song. This I... is the virginity song. Oh, yeah, because... I... Was this her first time? So far as we're aware, yes. Because I don't think she's having any kind of relationship with Marcus. No. And I feel like she's still quite young. I don't think she would be in her previous Wasting life. Wasting her time in her town. Yeah, she town. works. She lives to work and she's saving up to move somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So totally her first time. For sure. Hence, bound to you. Yes. The photo kind of thing is weird. Like the way that she's like rolling up her stockings and he sat there with his captain's hat on taking photos. Yeah, it's very... Um, Fifty Shades. <laughs> I wasn't going to say Fifty Shades. It is very Fifty Shades. But it's it comes across very like art movie. Yeah. Where it's like, oh man, I'm so young and in love with you. Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the last five years. Yeah. In the whole honeymoon phase section. It is like Jamie. Like yeah. Snapping it's like, pictures. oh, I'm obsessed with you. Yes, it's it's um, Shisha Goddess. Mm -hmm. That's what this moment is. Yeah. Spot on. I do think she looks remarkably like Nicole Kidman or Leslie Mann here as well in this scene. Yeah. Which is just apropos of nothing. Yeah, you said that and I, I agree with you. But then, dun, dun, dun! She's done with her summer in Ohio. It's Quinn for Bray, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> She finally shows up for all of 30 seconds. Yes, and she should not be able to get into the flat because the night before, while drunk, Jack goes and was puts it the, the night chain before? on the door. Yeah. I felt like it was longer. I felt like this, this is what I don't been going understand. on a while. I, I didn't think this was the next day. I thought this it's was... It's literally the next day. Is it really? Yeah. I got the sense that they'd been having like a month-long affair or something. No, because for Jeez. the timeline to work no, yeah, you're at right. this point, it's literally the next Jeez. morning. Especially because he's still hungover. Yeah. He puts his trousers on from the wedding. Yes. So no, that's fair. Natalie should not be able to get in because yes. he put the chain on the door. She should be able to open the yeah. door. Unless they've gone out of the morning paper or something. No. So I put, oh my God, he lied to her. And then, no, he did break up with her, but she didn't buy it. Because that's what he is. He's like, I broke up with you. And she's like, no one breaks up with me over the phone. Fair enough. So actually. I agree with her. You should never break up with somebody. No, and I agree, but they the worst way to do it. It is a horrible way to do it. However, how long is she going to be in New York for? Apparently she can just come back whenever she wants. That's what I mean. Like, at this point, it's kind of like, listen, our relationship's not working. We can talk about it when you're back, but I don't want to marry you and I think we need to break up. That, yeah. I don't know how he's done it, but... 
we saw it. It was at the wedding. He was just like, well, and then I think this is over. And yeah. then he hung up. But I, this is, I like that, the fact, yeah, okay, it was a douche move to break up over the phone with your fiance. Yeah. But at least he was, in his view, single when he acted on his feelings. Mm. I'm, you know, I'm going to defend it a little bit because he's at least, he's not, at least he's not cheating. Yeah, but I don't think you should rebound with somebody that you genuinely like. No, but I feel like he's liked her and he knows he's got a future with her. Yeah. And he's suddenly realising that his fiance was not everything he wanted. Mm -hmm. So we get their whole... So this made me so angry. He kicks her out. No, he doesn't kick her out. He does. He asks her to leave. Okay. So he's got I Diana Agrin shouting at, at him. Just because she's like, I'm I'm leaving because like No, no. So Jack says to Ali, Can you just give us like half an hour? Like yeah. just come back in a while. And Ali's like, What are you on about? You're telling me to leave. Yeah. I live here too. You told me you'd broken up with her. Why am I the one yeah. that's being kicked out right now? And then Diana Agron is like, oh, really? He told you that we'd broken up. Well, we're not broken up. And then, yeah. So, and then Jack is like, please, I just need to sort this whole thing out. And Ali's like, right, do you know what? Fine, have the apartment. I don't care. Yeah. So she, she goes immediately to Sean's and she finds that Sean is with another man. Mm -hmm. And I like the little joke that neither of them know each other's names. Amazing. And he's like, did I call you that during? He's like, yeah. Do you know what he his bill does? What? Mark the DJ. Oh, cool. Cool. Does that mean he works at the club already? No. No, I didn't think so. But then we find out that Ali's going over to Marcus. Mm -hmm. And we're like, oh no, she's going to fall for him. And then... I'm glad she doesn't, though. Yeah, same. And then Jack shows up and mm -hmm. Sean's like, you should have pounced. And then Sean's like... She's gone to Marcus, it's too late. And Jack just says, well, you need to take the opportunity too, by the way, mate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Sean does. Yeah. And he says, do you want to come back for breakfast? Which is really nice. He's a little bit happier. It's nice to see he's got a life outside of Cher. Mm -hmm. And we get some really important exposition here because whilst she's at Marcus's apartment, she sees the model. And Marcus is like, yeah, this is, this is where Burlesque currently stands. I'm going to build this. She's like can't be around you I, you know screw you I don't want to know you yes and we have the best line which is he says why does that make me the bad guy and her response is doesn't make you the bad guy just makes you the wrong guy yeah which I like it's not like you're a villain for this and we're not gonna we're not gonna villainize you for being a businessman and seeing an opportunity and making the most of it yeah because you would yeah and I like that I think in a lot of films, especially where the plot is like, save the thing. Mm -hmm. You can't actually expect everyone to care about the thing as exactly. much as you do. And she yes. is very aware of that. And yes. I like and it And he lot. doesn't, he's not a bad guy. He's just a businessman and he's seeing an opportunity. Yeah. So she goes straight back to burlesque and she's got a plan. And Tess is at her wit's end because she's kind of like, I'm done. I know we're done. The mm -hmm. bank man will not share money with Cher. Yes, the bank man coming. Yes. And I like the line, Sean may be an asshole, but he's a clever asshole. Because, mm -hmm. you know, he says it as, like, he's saying to Cher, this is what you need to do. 
And she's like, why would you say it to me? You're the one person who who gives me that. And yeah. then it inspires her to keep fighting. And he's like, yep. Yeah, especially because earlier on in the movie, they have a similar conversation. And she says, lie to me. Yes. And he does. He says, oh, everything's going to be fine kind of thing. Yeah. And here he can't lie to her anymore. They just need to actually solve this. So this ending, because that's where we're kind of at now. Yeah, basically. All this kind of tension is solved so easily. It just works out so easily. The club and her relationship. Because air rights might just save the day. And then they go to Thanos' father and he's interested in air rights. Mm-hmm. They sell in the air rights because he doesn't want a rival. Yeah, so it's not that he's interested in the air rights. No, but what he is, is he's interested in the exclusivity of his site that he's in the process of building. Yeah. Because he was going to do the same thing Marcus was, tear down Burlesque and build that. He's not interested now because the project is basically finished. But they mm-hmm. say, you realise that our lease is up. Mm-hmm. And if he gets, if our lease goes up, he's going to buy it and he will do it better than you've done it and you don't have the exclusive. But what we are willing to do is for you is we're going to sell you the air rights so no one, whatever happens to us, can ever build above that. Yeah. And he gives them lots of money and that's enough to save the club. So easily done. Literally just like, done. I don't understand why they didn't think of this before, but if you haven't heard of air rights, yes. then you've got nothing to go and talk to James Brolin about. So. Exactly. So that's done. But I love that as a as a concept for how this gets fixed because why would you build a new block of flats if there's already a new block of flats going up on the other side of the road obviously for competition but because james brolin is selling his flats for millions of dollars and the view will be you know of course he doesn't want anyone to build another one opposite but it's not just that but then the view that he would use to promote is gone as well yeah but yeah it just was there ever any tension or stakes? Like, because this is such a popcorn movie, mm. of course everything's always going to work out. It's not like School of Rock where you think, they're going to win. They don't win. Like, yeah. Of course it was. And even the same, you always knew they were going to end up together. You always knew that Ali and Jack were going to end up together. Yeah, of course. There's no stakes in this. And just everything works out so conveniently. Everyone's happy. And we get, show me how you burlesque. Yes, this apparently, is apparently the song that Jack has been writing this yes, whole time. and he's apparently also a graphic designer because <laughs> the way he writes burlesque. Mm-hmm. This is a great showstopper. They've spent all their air rights money on this set, apparently. Yeah, they have the giant letters that spell out burlesque with yes. lights in them. It's all coming up, Rose. Burlesque. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. A little bit naughty, a little bit nice. Yeah. That's basically what the song's about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nikki comes back. Nikki comes back and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't and actually sleep with your husband on your honeymoon. And Tess is like, of course she didn't. Cool, welcome home. Um, welcome home. Yeah. And yeah, happily ever after. The end. Yeah. Did you like it? I did. I feel like this is Chicago light. Yeah, for sure. I would argue, who is this film for? Me. Specifically me. No, no, no. <laughs> That's always my answer. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just feel like... Did the world need this film? I said this to you when, when we finished watching. It's like, it's a good film. But I can see why it's forgotten. Because I don't think this film knows who's it, who it's for. Hmm. Because they made it. But I don't think they know who they were making it for. 
Is it for musical theatre geeks? No, it isn't. Not because, specifically, no. No, because it's not like... This is very musical theatre-like. Yeah. Because it, it's it tries not to be the diegetic musical aspect. I think this is a... I would say this is for half of the Mamma Mia audience. Sure. It's a very Maybe niche... Maybe not even half. Yeah, it's a very niche movie musical. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Yeah. Because I enjoyed it. It just... It's kind of there. Who's your MVP? Christina Aguilera. Okay. Mostly because I'm I'm surprised. I didn't think she'd be good in it. I thought it would be like novelty stunt casting. Mm-hmm. And I think it's quite telling that she didn't get a, ra- a Golden Razzie nomination because she is really good in it. You couldn't justify giving it to her. You only reason you've done this because oh, Christina Aguilera was in the film. Yeah. Let's all hate on it. She was really good in this. Mm-hmm. Like again, the fact that she was in pretty much every scene, like she's there consistently. Yeah. And has done such a phenomenal job with this. Like I. I'm surprised. I did not think she'd be this good in it. I thought I'd be giving it to Stanley Tucci. I thought I'd be giving it to Christian Bell when you told me they were in it or Alan Cumming. Yeah. She was phenomenal, especially against seasoned actors mm-hmm. like Stanley Tucci. She was just amazing. Yeah. And there was a lot of heart to her performance, I think. Mm-hmm. You got the conflict at times and you got like this really nice vulnerability from her at times. Yeah. Who's your MVP? It would be Alan Cumming if he had more to do. Yeah. But it's Stanley Tucci. Yes. No, Stanley Tucci's great. Mm-hmm. He's he's brilliant. And Alan Cumming's great in it. They, I would say you've got a really, really good cast here. Mm. Yes, some of the casts are not as used as much as they could be. San, you know, Stanley yeah, they Tucci's could be more used utilized. a lot. I'd like to see more of him. I'd like to see more of Alan Cummings. I'd like to see more of Nicky. Mm-hmm. We don't really get much of them. But it's a phenomenal cast. And the fact that Christina Aguilera is so good against them like that's why i was like yeah she's my mvp yeah what's your best song because this is a weird one to kind of be like what's your best song i really like um i'm a good girl yeah that one's good i think that's one that is made more for watching her perform it yes anything that is like hugely performed so it's between i'm a good girl and welcome to burlesque yeah. Because, like, Cher singing that and just appearing amidst the dances yeah. is really cool. I actually put Express. I really liked that song. Hmm. I liked that one. Um, my Skip It song was Dentist. <laughs> yeah. Um, Long of, John Blues. Yeah, like, it was just weird. We're just, like, establishing that Nikki is actually quite a good performer. Exactly. And I feel bad, but it's not even Christian Bell singing it. No. So... This is something I don't understand. Is like, why not have it be the reason that Nikki is so bitter that we're now because focusing? She can sing. Yeah, right. Yeah. And if it turned out that she could sing, and just this whole time Cher's been telling her they don't come to hear us sing, hmm. you would. Be of bitter. course, she'd be mad. Yeah, you would be bitter. Would it have been nice if the final moment is her being like, "I can sing as well," and you actually get Christian Bell? Like belting out alongside, like mm. just a nice moment at the end, like before everything wrapped up so neatly. Just like, why did you lie to me? Like, why would you say that to me? Why were you so angry? And she just turned to him and said, "Because you never gave me a chance. You, you yes, you headlined me as a dancer, mm. but the second someone else came here and said they could sing, you never gave me a chance to show you what I can do." Yeah, and then you never she just belts me. out a song. Yeah, and then the ending, the final song between "Show Me How You Burlesque." is both both of them singing it mm-hmm. and we get an idea that there's more 
equality between them on the stage time. Yeah. Like something like that. Because even their rivalry doesn't matter so much at times. Yeah. It's very secondary. It's like Nikki is a, the Titanic because mm. she's her own worst enemy. Oh, for sure. But then that's because she has a real problem. Yeah. Who would you want to play? Sean. Mm-hmm. Stanley Tucci, 100%. I love his character in this. Yeah, me too. He's he's really good in this. And I like that, you know, the the thing with Cher, like... Mm-hmm. And I just Their like the way he interacts with all, all the girls as well. Like, he's so good. I like Jack. But I, I quite liked being, like, the kind of sarcastic character instead. Yeah, cool. Who would you like to play? Because there's a lot of female roles in this one for once. You Nikki. Could be like, yeah? Yeah. I think she's super interesting and I think you could do a lot with her. Yeah. And, yeah, I just think she's the she's a very interesting character. I want right. to know more about her. I gave I mean, this one three stars. Oh, that's pretty good. Middle of the line. I think it's a great film. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I don't think it changed my world. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, if you've not seen it, I would say it's worth watching. I would say it's, it's, it's certainly a fun two hours to spend. It is a popcorn movie, first and foremost. Oh, for sure. I w- wanted to share at defining Disney's view of it mm-hmm. because I think they've said similar to what you kind of told me is real talk burlesque deserves more love than it gets Christina is a goddess and Cher is an icon the music from this movie never fails to make me smile or want to get up and dance which I think is very true people overlook this movie all the time and frankly it's a crime or it should be I, I like that I think there's some valid points to that because yeah. it is a really fun film and the fact that like I'd forgotten it existed before you mentioned it. Like I know you were su- you were surprised how quickly I was like, "Oh, burlesque." Yeah, and it's I got was. Sharon. And I hadn't even thought about that film. Mm. I didn't even know it was a, a musical. Yeah. So, yeah, I like this film, and I think if you've not watched it, give it a chance. I think you might be surprised mm. if you're one of those people who consumes their podcasts by listening to it and then watching the media first. Give this one a try. I do that. Yeah, like, <laughs> I know I might sound critical over a few things. I did enjoy this. Like, hmm. it, it, it wasn't one that I felt dragged. It's a good two-hour film, and you can break it up halfway through with an ice cream like we did. Yeah. You know, it's 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 fun. Cool. What are we doing next week? Because you mm. already know. We're going to live forever. Yes, we are. We're going to learn how to fly high. <laughs> yes, we are heading over to fame next week because... The uh, show must go on. Is going on. Is going on. They're putting new shows up every Friday on the shows must go on YouTube channel. And yes. so we're cracking back on with some of those. Yeah, for 48 hours. It's a, it's not a film version of Fame. It's a live. It's a, sta- a filmed stage performance of the West End cast yes. of Fame, the musical. Very excited for this mm. one. Fame is, is iconic for its, its jump, the split jump, the fame jump. Is it? I don't know, that's what I know it from. What is the fame jump? It's the one where he jumps up in the air um, and puts his legs... Right, uh, yeah. yeah, okay, I understand splits. what you mean now. Yeah, so I'm Just for to... context, Danny has just done the perfect split jump. Oh yeah, you missed it. It was to a show thing me, exactly. Of, it was a thing <laughs> of beauty. I think we've actually got the programming for the next month all sorted. Mm-hmm. Like, we have a whole month because we've got fame and we've got plans for the 12th and 19th but we won't say what they are yet. No, we've got plans. Secrets. Yeah, secret secrets. Yes. 
we, we are going to go into spooky season though because Halloween. No Book of Mormon, no spooky Mormon. It's the Hell best dream. time of year for me. For you, I can't wait for. Christmas. I'm really sad that you've seen Hocus Pocus. Yeah, but it's not because a musical. Was, it is. There's two songs. That's not a musical. <laughs> it needs three or four. Bet Midler sings. It doesn't matter. It needs three or four. Anyway. Anyway, we will be back next week for fame. We're going to go to school and we're going to learn. Gosh, I hope I get it. I hope I get it. That's not fame. Is that not fame? No, that's chorus line. What? God, I hope I get it. Yeah. I thought that was fame. I hope I get it. How many people does he need? How yes. many boys? How many girls? Yeah, no, it's chorus line. Huh. Okay. <laughs> See, now we need to watch chorus line. Unless I'm thinking of a completely like different it. song. Who knows? Perhaps I'll say next week, that was the song I meant. So we will be back next week with Fame. In the meantime, you can like us on Twitter and Instagram at It's A Musical Pod. Mm -hmm. Drop us a message, leave us a follow and a comment. Let us know what you thought of this episode. And if you like what we're doing, share us with your friends. You can tag us on Twitter and say, give them a listen. Or you can post on your story on Instagram all your lovely friends and, and share the love. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, on Amazon Podcasts now as well. If you download the Amazon Music app and we have our OG hosts of Podbean and we are also on Stitcher Radio. Yeah. If you like our artwork done by the fantastic Icarus Illustrations, you can follow Icarus, mm-hmm. aka Drew, mm-hmm. my lovely co-host, over on Twitter at Icarus Illo, mm-hmm. with an underscore, Icarus underscore Illo. Yep. And on Instagram, Icarus Illustrations, and on TikTok. Yes, indeed, where mm-hmm. I'm doing very well right now. <laughs> what is your, t- is it Icarus Illustrations on TikTok? Yep. I don't get how TikTok works. But I love it. Yeah, I was thinking maybe it's you should try and do like a musical podcast but I don't know what we do so if you have ideas for what we could do to join the TikTok generation let me know because you know I'm always up for a new social media challenge Mm -hmm. and you can email us on itsamusical at Mm gmail.com in the meantime we will see you next Musical Monday yes same bat place same bat channel see you next week